Welcome to my podcast, Exploring Past Lives with Karen Joy. I am Karen Joy. For over a decade, I've been doing regressions with people who want to experience a past life and sometimes their life between lives. I'm the author of several books, including the groundbreaking book, Lost Soul, Wise Soul, How Our Challenging Past Lives Shape Our Future. In this unique podcast, I speak to people who have actually experienced one or more past lives. Some have also visited their life between lives, which is also known as the afterlife. Come with me now to learn what can happen in a past life regression, what a past life experience is like, how it unfolds, and how it impacts on our current lives. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, Nick, and sharing your experiences with past life, with a past life or past lives. You've had several, I understand. And these were several years ago uh, that you, a couple of years ago, you did one with me and you've done some previous to that as well. Is that right? That's right, yes. Okay. And we're going to explore a little bit about what you've experienced and before we do that, I was just wondering why you came for this last regression. You came for two regressions, a past life regression and a life between lives regression. Can you remember the reasons why you came in the first place? Yes, I was looking for an answer that I couldn't find to why I was angry all the time. And secondly, I guess, for more information, for more confirmation on what I Certainly believed, but it was always nice to get a little bit more information on past life and life between lives. Okay, good. Yeah, well, those were good reasons. So we'll proceed and we'll let the listeners know whether you, if you did receive what you came for. To help us understand a little bit more about your journey, can you tell us about the past life or past lives that you experienced in 2020, I think it was, when you came? regression? Sure. Um, so I come up to see you there. With, in tune with the anger issues, I guess what we were trying to identify was uh, anything in past lives that may um, help assist or show us why the anger was carried over. From that experience, we actually got to go back and revisit two past lives both set completely, I couldn't have a date. The first date of the one was certainly in the, I got the impression that it was in the Americas and um, somewhere in the vicinity of uh, where the older galleon type ship travel was was more the norm. So work out that date as you will, I can't place a date on it, but based on the clothing and things like that, I would say anywhere from, late 16 to mid-1800s, and I know that's quite broad, sorry, but and that was a very short uh, regression. And then, of course, we had a visit with another one that was uh, certainly more to do with the anger in, in my estimation, and that was on a slave galley. Oh, yes, that's right, a slave galley. Yet, can you tell us a little bit more about how that proceeded and what happened? Well, once again, as I say, we were searching for the anger, and I made an unusual, unusual to me reference about uh, the anger being anywhere from niggling up to where it become 
overwhelming and almost like the beating of a drum and uh, almost like the anger wanted to escape me and I was fighting it on a daily battle to stop that from happening. So the past life that I was taken back to was uh, put me on a slave galley and as part of that I received um, a little bit of information on who I was and where I was. I didn't have an identification to say uh, uh, what nationality. But, yes, we'd been courted and placed on slave galleys uh, as punishment for our actions. And, um, and during that time, uh, well, what I was left with was anger, anger at my situation, anger at the captors, anger at the actions of the day, et cetera. Okay. I remember, I do remember now, I remember the drum, you saying that there was this drum noise and then you, you heard, you started to hear a drum, if I remember correctly now took you back to the slave galley because there was a drum on that galley? Is that- yes, it was a drum to uh, obviously give us the uh, countenance for the um, rowing of the oars and that type of thing, like faster, slower. And the ship was one of those old, um, the, the pronunciation escapes me, but like the trains, but I'm not. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. I wouldn't worry too much about, about that. Yeah. It was open up a day. Open upper deck, and then the the lower deck was closed in. I can only recall it being two decks. Two um, decks, and and when you say two decks, were the slaves on both decks, or just yeah. on on oh, both decks? Okay. And because I'd done something to warrant further punishment, there I was placed in the lower deck, and the understanding was then that the lower deck was the death sentence that you're expected to row until you couldn't row anymore. Our feet were chained to the, um, the floor of the boat on the decks, on both decks there, but the lower deck, uh, you were treated a lot differently in the sense of um, that you weren't fed the same as on the upper deck. You were fed um, leftovers, like if it was fish, you got the head and the guts and the tail and basically what you'd consider unfood because you weren't expected to last, but you just had to keep going. And obviously the, the field for vengeance um, stayed with me because it was easy to give up, but I didn't want to give up because I wanted the opportunity to to lash out at my captors and that type of thing. But that opportunity never came because you get beaten in the end and in the end your body just can't continue. And that that is what happened to you? Yeah, well, that was the... Uh, Certainly the thing, the uh, as I say, I'm not sure what the transgression was that put me from the top deck to the bottom. I know that when we, the information I received was that we were part of a group that uh, of young men that were rebelling against, it was either an invading force or a, um, a force that had already taken over our area. But um, we were rebelling against that very basic weapons, uh, basic clothing. I know I had a olive skin, dark hair, and the um, when we were captured by the what we termed as the enemy, we were split up and placed on different galleys. So all of us got similar punishment. There was no one on my galley that I knew. I don't believe I was put on there with anyone from our group. So it broke up that, I guess, to create that there was no power struggle on the boat so that we were basically going in there individually with no assistance or 
you know, when we I know on the boat there, there was no one there that I recognised. And the people there certainly either did what they were told or suffered the punishment of being placed in the lower deck. So, but with the uh, the difference, of course, on the top deck, when you're chained, you're chained, your feet are on timber. And um, on the lower deck, because there's constantly a wash with water coming through, um, your feet are just sitting in the water all the time. And then they, obviously, after a period there, your feet uh, rot. And it was just a constant... Um, anger was all I had left to hang on to. And um, there were, I, I, for some reason I get that the people that, when a slave would die and the people that came to remove that slave off the, uh, the chain there weren't of the same race as the, um, the captors that owned the boat. And, um, but, yes, I was angry at other people that, that didn't want to, help themselves, they didn't want to rebel, they just had given up. Um, and I was angry, of course, against our captors. I was angry at the people that came and and uh, took the bodies away. And they weren't dead. Um, they just couldn't do anything more. And once they couldn't do anything more, then they'd come and uh, release them from the chains and throw them overboard, which, of course, in the end happened to me as well. Okay. And... So do you remember that after you had been thrown overboard and we were in the regression, do you remember what happened after that when you died? I can recall my last vision of it would have been I was looking up through the water uh, and the keel of the boat as it, as it continued on and just sinking, but I knew that like I was too weak even to swim. I couldn't have saved myself if I wanted to. But uh, it was just like a, a, a fade to black, you know, to come back out of the, uh, I don't recall going and passing. It was sort of like I was taken out of that vision before any of that happened. Okay. So it wasn't particularly painful. But at the end of it, when, when, we, when you were aware what had happened, do you recall how you felt about how you'd been treated? That made me very emotional, um, more so because of the waste of human life. And the I, I couldn't understand that it was like people could just be used up and thrown away in that regard. And that was essentially anyone that was on that ship as a slave, that was what was going to happen. They're, uh, they're only good while they're... Well, they had their uses, and once they didn't have their uses, it was bye-bye. Wow. So it was really no re respect no respect for life at all, really? No. No, you're a tool, and that once, once your usefulness was gone, well, then so were you. That was a pretty devastating life. Do you see any connection between that life and your current life and the reasons you came? to the regression? Well, I identified a potential carryover of anger. In that particular life, there was so much anger at the end. What surprises me, I guess, if I think about that now, is that um, how did I carry that much anger forward over this amount of time? Like, why was it never, ever 
I don't know whether I carried that through every life or whether it was uh, held in a little pocket somewhere and brought with me on individual jaunts or not. I'm, I'm not too sure. It's a good question, though, that probably a lot of people wonder, people who do past lives too. It does seem that your whatever it is has to be triggered in a current life, like something from a past life needs to have some trigger. In, it's there, buried perhaps in the psyche, the soul or whatever you want to call it. And it sounds like you need to have something in your current life. Would there be anything in your current life that could have triggered anger? Perhaps it sits there in the uh, the psyche until, yeah, something of a similar nature might, might bring it forward. I've fought anger issues for most of my life and... Hence why it was so important to me to find out why that was a problem. Obviously, an opportunity to point the finger and say, well, you know, when we pass, we're supposed to, some of us are supposed to get healing. But I'd ask the question then, if I didn't get healing from the anger then, what um, what was the reason that I kept it and carried it? Was that my choice? Was a choice for somewhere in the future where I needed that anger? Um to survive. Great question. Or, great. That's a great question. Yeah, sorry, to survive. Yeah, it was just a uh, a thought process. But uh, as you know, and and, um, and we got to deal with that anger during the uh, the LBL, so in a surprising that's right. way. That's right. Well, can you share that? Do you remember that? Sure, yeah. Um, it was only a tiny part, but when we went to... Uh, to talk to the group of uh, specialists. I want to say counsel, but I'm avoiding that word, uh, term for them because they were specialists and they were the ones that were in all the um, uh, different colours. And I recall you asking me were they because of their ranks and I answered no, it was because of their specialities and the questions that I had to ask that they were the the group that would be able to answer my questions. And it was during that time I, I didn't ask for healing, but I received healing. And I didn't really, um, it wasn't until they started healing me of the anger that I um, was told that that's what was happening. And as for it now, it, it's like uh, I realise my triggers are still the same. I can still be angry if I choose to be, but... I can't hang on to the anger rather than it sitting there and simmering. As soon as it it comes up to chest level and that type of thing where you'd, you'd feel to start to feel overwhelmed, it all drains away. Okay. That's what done for me. So did, it simmer, did it simmer before, before you had that experience of the healing? Yes. Yes, it was just, an, just under the surface. I, I thought I'd controlled it and got rid of it years ago, but it, was still sitting there and it was sitting there wanting to come out and it was a fight not to have it come out when you're maybe having a heated discussion and that type of thing. I didn't want to release that all because it wouldn't have been nice for me or forever else that I was talking with. So um, I'm glad it's gone. Okay, that's good. So so you're saying it was simmering before, so you knew it was there. You weren't necessarily acting on it in the past, maybe maybe ever, or you're just holding it, living with it all the time, that triggering anger? Well, there was times in my life that it had become 
uh, overwhelming, I would get angry enough to black out and not black out as a faint, but I would lose that portion of memory. So uh-huh. um, it happened in that time, um, and it was only, as I understand, uh, you know, 15 seconds, but um, I was not in control of myself. So so you get so angry that that, that memory, the memory of the anger, it's almost like you weren't yourself, I guess, in some way. That, and then, is that right? Yes, it was It was purely a, uh, almost like a uh, out-of-body experience, but not getting to experience the other thing. It was a, it was a blackout portion where um, whatever happened in that time that I'm, I don't recall, it was like this was happening at one second and then 15 seconds later, other stuff had transpired that I had no recall of. Okay. Well, that's pretty interesting, isn't it? When you think of it, it, look, what comes to me straight away is that you were not your true self at that time. It was, it was like being taken over. Yes. And, and there was some energy or something that was inhabiting you that, 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 that could come in, I guess, when you were triggered or when you were angry. Potentially. I, I, because of the short time I was able to come back to my senses, I can certainly put that on me. It's interesting from, a, I guess, a psychoanalysis to think that, okay, well, obviously my body was still functioning during that time, and, um, but it was such a rage that, um, that got to come out for that little moment. Very and interesting. I, there's, there's some research being done on that, on that sort of anger that can be that strong. I'm not suggesting that it, it is another energy, but it might have been related to all your experiences in past lives that you're connected to, perhaps ancestrally through past lives, and now you've they've done a healing on you on the other side, these specialists, and it doesn't have the same power that it had anymore. No. Fantastic. As I say, probably, I could probably let it come back if I, if I chose to. Um, but obviously, I choose not to. So and the uh, there's probably no reason that you would choose to have that again. <laughs> it, it's it's certainly had too much control, and that's what I when I refer to saying I was I was fighting it to stop it from coming out. That was there. It was a fear of uh, what could I do if I was that angry, and if I blacked out, there's no no coming back from some of that. Well, we, we do hear about stories who, of people who have been in dire circumstances um, facing court situations where they say they've blacked out and they can't remember the details and maybe that's true, you know, quite likely so and you're pointing to the possibility of that from your own experience. Mm. So life has changed for you for some, to some degree. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. That's that was a great. huge issue. It was a huge issue for you. Like it's so important, I think, for us to realise, some of us to realise that there are things that probably in a way don't belong to us now but that we're still connected to that we can act out in some ways. That's what I see happening here with you and uh, you being able to be guided in some way. You Like you were curious, I think, about these things, past lives, would that be right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so you led you to 
take some action to help sort it out? Well, surprisingly, as I say, I, I would have been happy with an answer. The past life regressions that we went through, both of them dealt with a little bit of anger. Certainly the slave galley was the uh, the more poignant of them too. But the the earlier one with the uh, the drowning, he was an angry person as well. But as the watcher of that, uh, I was also angry angry at him for going into the water and um, cutting short his opportunity because he was on his way for an important errand, if you like. Um, I certainly perceived that. And on such a simple mistake, he threw that away. And he understood the, the anger, like I felt the anger from him as well. Okay, so that's interesting. That leads us to another point about how we experience these uh, past lives. But just on that, I find that quite interesting that the anger at him means that you're sort of disconnected from yourself as well. Like if you're saying, if you're angry with him, are you still angry with him or are you at peace with that now? I'm at peace with that now. That's good. I remember... I was upset for him and I was angry angry, angry at him because um, it seemed it just seemed like a throwaway again, but by his choice, like he chose to, to use that. And it wasn't his fault, but no. he chose to, to, uh, to take that route and it cost him his life. Yes, he made a wrong decision, which of course we, we, can, do, we can do easily enough and that's how we learn. But now you understand that, so that the anger's gone. Yes. That's great. Yep. Reconnecting with ourselves, our past life selves, I think is really important, like reconnecting and appreciating that they taught us something. And that seems to be what you've learned there in some way. So well, that, it, that changed from the norm because the, um, as I had done the, the past life regressions back in the 90s, the mid-90s, uh, or early 90s, I should say. And that was sort of like I went into that without any, it was purely purely looking for answers. I didn't have a specific question in mind to do those. So henceforth I got information, but it was pointless information outside of the experience of, um, of seeing and knowing those lives. The, um, I didn't come back with any particular message. If anything, most of them died from, from neck injuries, but <laughs> I'll find okay. out if I die from a neck injury, well, that was why they were important. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, we won't think about that at this point because you're still alive and having a lot of fun on the planet. But one of the other questions I wanted to ask you were, when you experience the past life, how, how does it come to you? Does it come in visually or auditory or some other way? Do you sense things? How would you describe the actual receiving of the information? Okay, well, um, probably visually is the strongest recollection, but you're looking at it from, if I was to describe it to anyone, I would say part of it's like watching a movie of uh, someone that you know, and then the other part you're seeing a little bit from their eyes as well. So if the question's put forward at the time or the information that you require is, is relevant to see it from their point of view, that's exactly what you see. You know, like the rotting feet and that type of thing and the, the food and that was all through his eyes. But the uh, other bits and pieces, like if I was to expand 
my view around the boat. That's me looking at it. Okay. Probably from his experience and, and utilising his uh, memory of it, but not under the control of him. It's still me looking at the, the overall picture. And, um, so it's shifting it, then, shifting a little bit from first person to, to from you the, being you in your current life and sometimes being in sort of in that body of the other person but still being aware that you're in the body. Not that much of my current life. It's like I was there as a ghost. All right. And I was observing okay. what was going on because the, the visual sense is there um, the any other senses they seem to be when you need it, it's there. For argument's sake, um, there's no smells. The auditory is uh, is limited. Um, touch is not there. Even from the the feelings of you know rotting feet for argument's sake or taste of food or that. Um, if the question is asked and it has been in in prior sessions. Um, and I'll refer back to the 90s ones. The recall is there, but it's it's not immediate. And I, I did ask the question, I asked that through the LDL when we did that because you asked uh, what was I wearing on my feet. The only touch recall I can, I can say was when I felt the sand under my feet, down by the body of water. Um, and that was because we were asked, we were talking about that. But I wonder whether it's because the... The experience is so overwhelming that if you had all the senses, you wouldn't recall sort of uh, the information that you need. You wouldn't get that because you'd be you'd be looking for everything else. Does that you'd make be sense? Over, oh, uh, yes, it does make sense. You'd be overwhelmed with too much information all at once. Yes, and well, I think that that fits that. We're focused. You know, you, you're focusing on the information that you want. Your intention for the session. And that's what you're getting, you know. I mean, whether you, whether you're sorry. feeling or not, or smelling or not, isn't so important. No, well, that's right. And I think that um, I wouldn't have appreciated the smell of a galley. I'm no. guessing, but even even where the opportunity is there, like if if, if you did ask me the question outside of the the uh, where I was controlling the session, so to speak, if you had have asked the question, you know what. What are you smelling? I'm sure I probably could have perceived that, but just generally in going in, it's um, it's important when we need it. Like information, of course, is is instantaneous. If you're in a conversation with someone, your the information is there before you've even asked the question. And yeah, certainly, looking a, a skeptical point of view, which is what I'd do with all of it, I found that really fascinating. That it was immediate. It was like the information was just plop, put in your head. And that's the answer, and you might it might be an answer to five questions, and it's just there. And it's um, just there, and and it's maybe not an answer that you would have thought of yourself. No, well, that's right, because obviously anyone having a, a past life regression or an LBL would be um, wise to consider that they're not consciously influencing something, and that's something I know that I do. So it makes all the things that happen that, you're not consciously thinking, uh, can I change that? Can I influence that? But the things that just happen randomly and uh, dynamically in the background that you have no conscious thought or control of, of anything like that. 
And uh, the hard part of that is that your, my humanity is, um, is looking around going, wow, wow, wow. And I'm trying to focus on the message that I'm getting because I might be in conversation with someone. But I can't stop my um, view, if you like. Like I'm seeing all these other things happening and I'm trying to hold on to the information that I'm receiving as, as well as enjoy the experience and just looking because uh, the uh, in comparison, whereas the, the past life regressions, it was everything was normal, everything was as you'd if you walk outside and you expect it, you know, the sky was blue, the grass was green and the water was uh, the normal colour that we'd see with water or ocean water or lake water or whatever, um, as opposed to the, the LBL, of course, where the colours were something else altogether, either vivid in their, in their colour, the colours that we recognise, and there was colours there that I couldn't name. So the... Uh, Some people say that, the colours that they haven't seen on Earth. Yeah, well, uh, certainly colours I had the experience, I couldn't put a name to them. I could say that looked like a pink, but it, yeah. it, it wasn't. Wow. And the difference of that, and I'm, I'm sorry, and I know we were talking about past lives. but the, No, no, the it's color, fine. LBL. But the LBL was very powerful for you. I do remember that. Just the, um, even the robes, the robes of what the people were wearing were, um, the colours were, um, Absolutely amazing, like in the way that they flowed into each other and that type of thing of their own movement. It was like it was a living thing that was on these people. Um, so that's a bit otherworldly then, sort of not what you see down here on the No, planet. it was amazing. It was, to create that um, visually here would be uh, very expensive and, and probably if they could do it, it would be an awful lot of work to create that same sort of thing, but I can't imagine how they could. Because it felt not. like it, they looked alive, you said. <laughs> the robes yeah, looked alive. Colours flowing into each other that complemented each other. They didn't clash, but they it, it, it looked normal. In fact, the colours were on the, um, who, the guy who I perceived was my guide. I say guy, he was androgynous because I didn't see whether it was a male or female. But the... Um, the colours were there and actually took it away from me being able to focus on on their face. And I didn't really get a good look at them until we were near this uh, this group of specialists and this um, being stood off to the side. So I could see that they were there, but I couldn't see. Whereas earlier, of course, in the LBL, as you and I had spoke, the, um, they started behind me uh, in my vision. Okay. So so that was a surprising thing for you when in the LBL, the... I'm just wondering what did surprise you. There's probably a lot of things that surprised you. <laughs> the colours certainly um, stood out, as I say, and I, I mentioned them. It was just so, like they were colours that we recognised initially, but it was just so clear. And I guess when you're looking around, it, it's so clear. There's no uh, nothing to diffuse what you're looking at. You know, like if you look at a star and it twinkles and you know because it's um, between that sun and us, there's all the debris in space and it creates the twinkle. And um, But just the clarity, I guess, of the vision was there. The fact that those little boats that we stepped onto were bizarre, the fact that they were self-powered, there was no method of propulsion because I'm, as I say, from a sceptic's point of view, I'm looking for 
how is this happening, why are they moving, how are they moving on their own. When you stepped onto them, there was no uh, balance like you would have on water. There was no uh, issue because it was just like stepping on another platform and the movement, there was no feel of movement even though we were moving. The, so that um, was in the that was just to clarify for the listeners that was in the uh, life between lives when you were moving across a sort of a lake or or something like that. So, yes, yeah, because yeah. we started on the hill and then came down to the this side of the lake and then these boats came in. Because initially, because I was there was a group of people there and I'm thinking, okay, well we're waiting here for something. Don't know what it is. Is it is it a something that's going to happen? Is it someone that's going to turn up? And I didn't know. So I'm looking expectantly to see what's who's coming, uh, where are we going, what's happening. And then, of course, to realise that we were going to a place that I had already seen um, that I thought I'd consciously created, which, of course, makes me sceptical in itself. But I knew it was the building that we went to. I knew that I had um, thought about it uh, when I was alone. And I imagined creating a place there that had all these things and that it actually existed within this LBL. Sceptically, I could look back and say, well, hang on, well, you knew that that was there, so you placed it there. But when we got to see it, it was absolutely different. There were parts there that I knew I, I recognised it, but it was absolutely different from what I imagined. And the, the differences were like you picture a castle and so you picture a, uh, a big stone building. But this thing had things that were physically impossible to recreate, to even imagine in their physical world because they just they can't exist. So you can't say, "Well, I'm going to build this with this," because it would never be a a uh, possibility. And to see that, of course, in in that realm, it certainly was possible, and and had grown beyond any proportion that I had imagined. The um, the movement, where they talk about movement by thought. Um, I missed the first time because we came to the bottom of a cliff in the, the little barges and then all of a sudden we're on top of the cliff. And I'm, I remember thinking at the time, how did this happen? What, what happened? What just happened? I, I wanted to look at the bottom of the cliff. I didn't want to go up the top yet. And it was like I, I felt a little bit ripped off because I wanted to see what was underneath. And um, But when we got up the top, so I'm thinking, okay, well, next time we move, I'm going to watch to see how that happened, how we how we moved so fast. And, of course, um, I got that opportunity when the uh, the group of specialists turned up, they came to me. And I'm watching and it was like, and the best way I can describe it, weirdly enough, it's like a, a stage set that's it's back in the background of there and basically it's rolled forward instantaneously, but it's rolled forward where um, or brought to me and the scene that you're standing in basically is pushed out of the way. It's pushed past you. It's like if anyone's ever seen the movie The Matrix where they're standing in the all white and all the big racks of guns all come towards them. It was very similar to that. And I I don't want to sort of like liken it to something that, that we've created in that movie, but um, it's the best way I can explain it, that you stood there and it came to you. That was for the quick movement. Obviously, you can still walk around and, and that type of thing as well. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. But um, so, so that was very surprising to you because you were ex you had a, 
expecting things, a little bit expecting things that you want to look at the cliff and suddenly you're not there. So you're starting to say, well, I wasn't sort of creating that somehow. There was some other force shifting you into various experiences. Yes, well, and that's, as I say, it was annoying because there was things that had happened to that cliff like they built into it that I didn't, when I think about the place on the cliff there, it was not like that. So I wanted to go in and see, well, okay, well, someone else has done something nicer. Let me have a look at it. But I never had that opportunity when we went straight up the top. So consciously I was able to think, well, right, next time that happens, I'm going to watch out for it. And um, yeah. and the way it happened was both awesome and mind-boggling at the same time because it was I, I just didn't expect that. Okay. So that, so that sort of experience then helps you to be a little bit less Skeptical, I guess, about what was about the existence of another another side somewhere we go after we die, perhaps. Absolutely. Okay. Because even That's at the great. top, if they, when the sky started changing, and I'm thinking, I'm not, I'm, I wasn't even looking at the sky. I wasn't thinking about the sky, and then all of a sudden, it, it was changing colours, okay. and I was told that was just to show it wasn't done by me, but it was to show that um, this is what you can do, and the the okay. scenes that it. it it's like picking your own background because there were things there that you would be impossible here, you know, like a view of space but close up, like a totally different star pattern and that type of thing, but colours that in there that aren't normally in when you look up at the night sky or, or get on the computer and have a look at a picture of space. Um, the creativity aspect was amazing. Okay. So that's probably that's something that's definitely surprised you. That you didn't expect yeah. at all. Absolutely. I think, yeah. I think we'll we'll bring this to a close if that's okay. That's fine. So I just want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your experience. It's been great to hear about what you've experienced and how it's changed your life in positive ways. And I would guess that you probably haven't got any fear of death or of the end of dying when your time Zero. comes. Zero. Whole new event. I say zero for me. I've got zero fear of death. Um, it's just, uh, <laughs> in fact, my biggest fear would be all those things that I'm, I'm thinking, wow, you could do this, you could do that. <laughs> I'd, I'd hate to get there and find out that I've already done it last time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's more experiences that we can have, even if you've Absolutely. done those. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, Nick, for participating. It's been a, a joy to have you on the show, on the podcast and to hear your experiences. Very welcome, Karen. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today. Please feel free to access my website, lifebetweenlivesregression.com.au for much more information about past lives and life between lives. You also might want to tune in to my Twitter and my Instagram account and my Facebook page, Karen Joy Author. On my website, you will find case studies explored in depth in my blogs and in my books and locate other useful information and resources. Thank you for listening.